Imagine with me that you've been captured and imprisoned. Why isn't important, and I don't want this to turn into a morbid illustration, but you've been taken and you're being held prisoner somewhere. And while you're imprisoned, you get a letter from a friend that says, there's a very tiny barred window in your cell with loose screws. If you wiggle them slowly enough over time, you will probably be able to undo the bars, open the tiny window, and get out. It's going to be a really tight fit. It's going to be a difficult and long process, but eventually you should be able to get out and be free. Now, would you consider this difficult task ahead of you, this difficult prospect of getting a new life, would you consider that to be good news or bad news? In this context, it is, of course, wonderful and encouraging news to know that even if the process will be hard, that there will be life at the end of it. You wouldn't be angry knowing that it's going to be hard. You'd be excited because you would know that it is a worthwhile pursuit. Meanwhile, of course, during all of this, the easiest thing to do would be to do nothing. Sit in your cell, pass the time, and do nothing with the information you've been given. My name is Jacob Beach, and I'm one of the pastors here at Scarlet City Church. And this morning, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, which Adam just read for us. Now, these verses, they're the beginning of the end, Jesus' final remarks here in the Sermon on the Mount which encompasses Matthew 5, 6, and 7, those three chapters. And we've been looking over this sermon. We've been looking over these teachings from Jesus since last May with, of course, a few breaks in between. And the core of what Jesus has been communicating and teaching and inviting people into is the idea of human flourishing. He wants good for all of us. So he's teaching us about the importance of having a renewed heart. He says that salvation and a good life are not merely for those who show themselves to be outwardly moral by their actions, but rather what's going on on the inside. He tells us that you can't simply white-knuckle effort yourself into good standing with God. And you can't experience life to the fullest on your own. If you want a life of flourishing, you have to be transformed from the inside out. And this concluding, these concluding verses, these uh, final verses of the chapter, which we will begin with our passage today, they emphasize the eternal significance of how we live our lives here and now on the earth. So he starts here in verses 13 and 14 with a picture of two gates and roads. And he's laying out for us two different ways to live life. A narrow gate and path that leads to flourishing and a wide gate and path that leads to destruction. And here the gates and the roads are comparable images that make the same point. One appears to be better because of its ease and its width. So it leads to destruction. 
while the other appears to be difficult and less comfortable, though it leads to life. Many have come to this passage over the centuries even, Uh, since it's been written, and taking it out of context, thinking that this is a description of the afterlife and it's a, a quantitative decree that there aren't very many people who are going to get in. Not very many people are going to make it to heaven. Not many people are going to find life. However, in my own study and reading, especially in the context of the entire sermon, we we talk all the time uh, here at Scarlet City about uh, the importance of the literary context. What else is going on in the passages? When we uh, when this when this passage is taken out of context, we don't understand exactly what it means. And uh, as I said, in my own personal study and reading uh, uh, and thinking about the rest of this uh, uh, passage, all the way thinking back to chapter five. The emphasis here, the emphasis that Jesus is making is mainly on the idea of easiness versus difficulty, not a number. And it's more than a theological musing or an idea that Jesus is trying to convey. It's not just a description that Jesus is sharing with the listeners and even with us ourselves today as we study it. He isn't just illustrating something to understand. But the main thrust of this passage, the tone is of exhortation. And exhortation is just a fancy word that means an emphatic urging. It's intense. It's a a vigorous encouragement to do something. And Jesus is exhorting his listeners here. And he's saying, enter by the narrow gate. I want you to know that this is a good exhortation but it's also a warning. Don't be tempted to take the easy way. And that's the big picture here. Jesus is exhorting us to pursue life rather than death. He wants us to be wise and to use that wisdom to pursue human flourishing rather than death and destruction. It's a call to action. It's a a concluding encouragement towards applying all that he has taught us and his listeners in the Sermon on the Mount. So let's look at the difference between these two life options that Jesus is describing before we figure out exactly what it means for each of us to be active and participate in entering through the narrow gate. Let's begin with the wide gate and path. Jesus says in verse 13, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. This gate that he is describing, it's wide and the way is easy. A life that is on the wide path and enters through the wide gate is one that is non-exclusive in every way. It doesn't have any prerequisites or requirements. What Jesus is describing here is not that different from what he has been teaching about in the past few chapters. The wide road represents a life that is lived by its own efforts, by us doing it our own way. It's selfish, not in the gimme gimme like a a kid would be, but it's selfish in the kind of way that says, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to be my own God. It makes me think of the Frank Sinatra classic, I Did It My Way. He says in one of the verses, 
I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway. And more, much, much more. I did it. I did it my way. And yes, I'm very aware that my last musical reference in a sermon was Akon and Young Jeezy, so I had to swerve on you. I had to swerve on you and give you some Frank Sinatra this morning. But this song, right? Okay, so this song, while it's uh, one that I love and one that certainly pulls at me uh, because I do want to do it my own way, uh, this song encapsulates what it means to be on the wide path as a lifestyle. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're as bad as you can be or that you have no problems with things like uh, murder or uh, injustice or racism. It doesn't mean that you don't care about those things. But it means at the end of the day, your confidence, your reliance for life and spiritual health and, and flourishing, it comes from within yourself. At the end of the day, you're accountable to you. And it's worth mentioning that it doesn't mean that anyone seeking to live a life on the wide road is a quantifiably worse person. But it is a life that is dictated and motivated solely by ourselves. And in contrast to yielding your life's purpose and motivation and pursuing a road that promises it will be difficult to keep your convictions, this is the easier road. The wider road is the easier road. It doesn't require an active decision. This is exactly how we are born into the world. We didn't decide, you know, I'd rather uh, choose a life that leads to destruction. You know, I don't want flourishing. I don't want life. You know, I don't want all that good stuff. I'd I'd rather uh, be headed towards death. We're all born into this. We're all born with this inbred sense of self-reliance, self-preservation. And it's the wide gate that we naturally enter into. Without God's intervention, without him being present with us, without him coming to us, we would always make this choice. We will always choose the path that feels right and is easier and is natural. Now, if everyone were in the room, uh, uh, like we normally have our Sunday uh, mornings before uh, coronavirus, I would ask you to raise your hands. So feel free to make an affirmation uh, in your homes or wherever you are right now. But who here, right? I'm going to pretend like you're all here. Who here regularly chooses to take the stairs when there's an escalator right there? Now, if you said me or if you said I do, And I want to ask you a question. What is wrong with you? (laughs) What is wrong with y'all? Like any sane person in my mind wouldn't choose to take the stairs unless they're specifically working towards something. Maybe they're trying to get more exercise. Maybe they're trying to get their steps for the day. Uh, Maybe you've made a specific choice. You know, I'm not going to take escalators and elevators. I'm always going to take the stairs. And you could... Go up the stairs and it's hard, or you can take the escalator and it's no work at all, essentially. And the point that I'm making here is that it usually takes a very specific motivation, a reason to take the stairs right beside an escalator. And if there's no reason to do so, of course you would take the moving stairs. There has to be something some motivation, something that is challenging you, something that is pushing you, something that is exhorting you, even. You have to be chasing after something to want to take those stairs. 
leads us into the other choice, the other lifestyle choice that we have before us. And that's the narrow gate and path. In verse 14, Jesus says, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. This gate, this gate is narrow and the way is difficult. A life that is on the narrow path and enters through a narrow gate is one that is exclusive. It has prerequisites. It has requirements. What Jesus is describing here is a life that is dependent upon God. And it looks to him, our creator, our king, to show us how to live in a way that is life-giving and leads to our own flourishing. It's one of yielding our own rights, of receiving his blessings in return. So naturally, as soon as we started talking about things that are exclusive, I know that my ears perk up. And I'm sure that many of you who are listening have probably experienced, some of you at least, have experienced being in a church setting where the walls are built very high up and those who don't meet they don't meet certain standards or uh, aren't part of the group, aren't, aren't exactly like everyone else, they're shunned. If they don't believe like everyone else, they're shamed, they're shunned, they're pushed away. And the way of life that Jesus is describing here is not narrow because we have to conform ourselves to become acceptable to God. It's quite the opposite. There's a, prereq- there's a prerequisite, I'm having trouble with that word. There's a prerequisite and a requirement. It's not on us. God's, mes- God's message to the world is this. I love you. I want you to experience the best possible life. I want to bless you. I want to care for you. I want to be with you and I'll prove it to you. I will be the one. I will be the one who makes you acceptable to me. I will do the work. I will put you on the narrow path. And all I want from you is to have faith in me. I want you to participate with me in this work. The reason the way is narrow is that there is a requirement. The wide path has no requirements. This path, however, requires faith. It requires us to yield. It requires us to follow. It requires us to trust. And not only that, but Jesus also warns us. He said, it's going to be hard. Jesus was always telling the truth. He never was trying to sneak in little, little secret details. He was never trying to, to sneak in those less attractive aspects of following him. He was always going to shoot it straight. This is going to be hard. It's not going to feel natural being selfless. It's not natural to give in to what God says is good if it doesn't line up with my desires in the moment. That doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel natural to me. Living in this world as a faithful believer, attempting to follow Jesus imperfectly, but intending to, trying to, working towards it, wanting to grow, wanting to see our outward actions match what is true in our hearts, that's difficult. That is hard. Not to mention that there's 
going to be a lot of people who don't like it, who don't respect it, who don't trust it, who don't like us because we believe. There's a long, long history of people who have claimed Jesus's name and did absolutely awful, reprehensible things. People have been hurt by those people, myself and many listening included. A narrow path is one that leads to life. Both now and when our time on this earth comes to an end. Walking the narrow path is one of great joy and satisfaction, security and safety, love and family. It's on God's terms instead of mine. And though I don't always like it, I do believe that God knows what's best. That's why it's wonderful news. It's wonderful news that your prison cell has a small opening that you can get through. Of course, it's going to be difficult but it's going to be worth it. There is life to be had by faithfully doing something that is going to be a serious challenge. Ashley and I have been watching the 10-part Michael Jordan documentary that's been airing on Sunday evenings on ESPN. And tonight is actually the final two episodes, I believe, if I remember correctly, the final two episodes tonight. And say what you want, you know, about the sports debates. I'll have it with you. I love having it. But Michael was unique. Michael Jordan was unique. His drive to win, his willingness to do whatever it takes. Now, I still think that LeBron has more skills than anyone who's ever played the game but I think that Michael is still the best to ever do it. And there's this somewhat famous quote, somewhat well-known quote that's been said before, and, and I've, I've remembered it for a time, but it's, really, it's been really uh, interesting and cool to see uh, Michael Jordan in the present as he uh, uh, dwells on the past and reflects on uh, a lot of the events of his basketball career. And as he looks back, he's talking about how hard he was on his teammates and the high standards that he held them accountable to. And the, the quote that, that, that we're leading towards here is this. Michael Jordan says this, I never asked anyone to do something that I wasn't already doing or willing to do myself. I see similarities between that sentiment, the sentiment behind that quote, in the narrow path that Jesus calls us to. Jesus in this passage is clearly exhorting us to live your life on the narrow path. Enter through the narrow gate. He's calling us to this. But what Jesus also does is he is the one who gives us the ability. He gives us the strength to be on the path in the first place. It says that few find it because it's hard. It's difficult. You can't make it on your own. You're not going to find it. That's the, that's the bad news that I have for you. You're not going to find it. You're not part of the few who find it alone. You aren't strong enough to enter the narrow gate by yourself. Jesus in calling us to enter this narrow gate, he doesn't call us to something that he hasn't already secured for us, rock solid. Jesus already did it. He already walked the narrow path blamelessly. He already entered through the narrow gate as a perfect, sinless sacrifice. 
And now he exhorts us. He calls us. He calls us to follow after him. He calls us to live the way that he lived. To learn from him. To love other people the way that he did. To give of ourselves the way that he did. To spend time with him. To trust in his wisdom. Especially in the midst of scary and unknown circumstances. He calls us to something hard. But he is ready and willing and able to help us and to give us whatever it takes to walk on that path. The secret of the narrow gate is that anyone can walk through it. The narrow gate is exclusive, but all you have to do is cry out to him and believe. The path to eternal life and human flourishing in this life is open to everyone who asks. Everyone who asks. Never forget that these verses are just inches away from the passage that we talked about last week, that Pastor Jay preached about last week, that reminds us, ask and you will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. With these two paths that are laid before us, we have a choice to make. Will we respond to Jesus' exhortation and enter the narrow gate? Will we choose the harder road? Will we go to God and ask that he show us the way, knowing that he will never turn us away? Or will we take the path of least resistance? Will we choose to be our own gods? Will we just pretend on the outside that we're good people without having our hearts and minds and souls transformed by the creator of the universe? Our actions show the reality of our beliefs. It's Not only about what you know, but how that knowledge affects your life. And of course, Jesus is imploring us to walk with him on the narrow path under his guidance but he's not going to force us into it. He wants us to participate. He wants us to be active, to be present with him as he is present with us walking along the path. He wants us to believe in him and to trust him, follow him. And for each of us, that could look different. It could mean spending more time in prayer. It could mean exploring more things in the Bible, learning about the ways of Jesus from his own mouth. Could be reaching out to someone who you haven't spoken to in a while. Maybe someone who's hurt you or you've hurt. And showing them unexpected love or grace. And in this time right now, this very specific time that we're living in during this coronavirus pandemic, we've lost a lot of things. We've lost jobs. We've lost opportunities and experiences. Relationships are strained. Work is weird. Tensions are high at home. We're all living very different lives than we lived just a few months ago. But we ultimately have to put our lives back together somehow. 
We can't wait until all of this is over because who knows how long it's going to be. We're now living in a new normal. And from the confusion, from the frustration, we have to remember that Jesus isn't asking us to do anything that he won't readily supply for us. He will give us the faith. He will give us the patience. He will give us the grace. He will give us the joy. But we can't find it hiding in a hole. We can't find it complaining. We can't find it on Netflix. We can't find it by avoiding. We can't find it by hardening our hearts. And I hope that somebody's hearing this this morning. I hope this is for somebody this morning because I know it's for me and I need to hear this. And I hope that someone else is receiving it as well. Right now, in the middle of life being very weird, we have to figure out how to respond to Jesus' exhortation. Enter the narrow gate. Walk the narrow path. He is with us. He's going to be with us through every single obstacle and challenge. Coronavirus is not bigger than our God. Quarantines are not bigger than our God. Sickness is not bigger than our God. But he wants us to participate. So in closing, that's what I want you to walk away from this morning with. Encouragement in knowing that Jesus is with us and that he has done everything that we need so that we may walk on the narrow path. But more than just knowing, he wants us to join in. He wants us to be a part of it. So my encouragement, my personal encouragement to you is to not take my word for it, but to go see for yourself. There's so much freedom and relief in letting go of your self-confidence and your self-reliance. God wants to take it. Jesus wants to help us. The Holy Spirit promises to open our hearts and minds to these things. But don't be mistaken that there is a choice. There is our effort to participate. Which path will we follow? I don't have what it takes and neither do you. But I want to take the hard path that leads to life and flourishing. So would you join me? Would you join me? And more importantly, would you join Jesus on that path? Can we do this together? Can we support each other and love one another as we go about it, as we grow? God is calling us. Jesus wants us to come. Come walk with him on the path. Let's do it together. Let's enter the narrow gate together. Father, I thank you for this morning. And Lord, I ask you to be present with us, to be with us. It's very weird and confusing and frustrating times. Lord, I ask that you would give wisdom to each one of us to see that there is a choice that we have to make, Lord, that there is participation, that there is presence with you. And Lord, I know that 
I'm imperfect. I know that I fail. I know that I sin. I know that I fall short of even the goals that I set for myself. And I'm sure we all do this. But Lord, we know that ultimately you have the strength. You have the power. You have the wisdom. Ultimately, by walking on that path, we receive what you have for us. Life. Life now and life eternal. With us, Lord. Be gracious with us.